Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today we are going to be talking about the 2012 ceremony year win for Octavia Spencer for The Help. Uh, Today I am joined by uh, a friend. He was on an episode with Jennifer Lawrence, not Jennifer Connelly, as I need to correct that from my previous episode. Uh, And he also earns a uh, owns a personal training nutrition company called Earth Grown Fitness. Uh, and we just love him. It's Rob Brown. Hi, Rob Brown. Kyle, how you doing? I'm good. Mm. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, we will jump into all of the questions and talk about all of the movies and talk about Octavia Spencer specifically. But before we do, I do have to let people know of the 2012 ceremony year for the Oscars. So the best picture went to the artist, best actor went to Jean Dujardin uh, for the artist, best actress went to Meryl Streep for the Iron Lady. That's actually technically her only second best actress um, Oscar, which is actually crazy, which was part of her narrative of how she won. Uh, Best supporting actor went to Christopher Plummer for the beginners and best director went to, and I'm about to pronounce this so incredibly wrong, Michelle Hazanavicius for the artist. Um, by the way, people that are commenting and contacting me about uh, the way that I am pronouncing names wrong, I'm so sorry that you are complaining about the free content that I am giving you, um, but you can suck a giant dick. I don't care. Uh, I am trying my best here. And also, I do apologize to all of the people that I am pronouncing your name wrong, if I am pronouncing it wrong, but honey, I am trying. I am just a woman trying her best over here. All right. The director of the artist is listening, Kyle. I bet. Yeah. I bet. Um, okay, so let's just jump into this. So whenever I asked what year that you wanted to do, you had selected Octavia Spencer, and I want to know why. So I'm a huge fan of Octavia Spencer. Every year I have an Oscar party where we all fill out ballots, we all guess. There's a big prize at the end. Everybody uh, donates to the pot. I've invited Octavia Spencer on Instagram the last four years to come to my Oscar party. She hasn't said no, but she also hasn't read the message. So <laughs> she hasn't said yes or no, so I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for it. So you're, you're friends with her? Uh, I follow her on Instagram. Okay. She doesn't follow me back, though. <laughs> Maybe eventually. Uh, but so again, like, she hasn't rejected today. coming to the party, but no, I'm a big fan of hers. Um, how she came up, just this woman appearing in each scene. It was rather stereotypical, but... She would pop up and literally say just, mm-hmm, like really exaggeratedly. <laughs> okay. And if you actually, like I could probably name like six movies where she would pop up for four lines of dialogue and saying, mm-hmm, was one of them. Right. And it became just funny at some point, but then like showing up in The Help and Hidden Figures in the Future, Shape of Water. It's like, okay, like this girl's got some acting chops, you know, like she's just not, not just this st- stereotypical woman who's standing on her porch with a broom who's making a comment at something going by, right? Like this mm-hmm. woman can act, and that's why I wanted to pick this year. Um, I think she's great, and uh, if she's listening to this podcast, well, if she is, I know she is, um, come on down to my, uh, come to my Oscar party next year, 2022. <laughs> it's an open invitation from everyone around the world. I love it. Um, well, this, see, that, I, that is actually a, a tr- very true thing where I remember, what was that awful movie? It was like this kind of, um, I can't, this was so long ago and in, in the movie they had to bring just like the worst 
party guests that they could find. And Octavia Spencer played this crazy person. Jennifer Schmucks, Steve Carell. I just don't remember. This was so long ago. And I remember just thinking like, you know, you see her in this god awful comedy and she's just acting a fool. And then you see her in something like this and you go like, wow, the roles for women of color that aren't like, you know, skeleton thin. Yeah, Halle Berry or, you know, are so limited and so sad because when you see her in Octavia Spencer in something like The Help, you're like, oh, wow, you're an incredible actor, but you never get used to your full potential because the roles like aren't there, Mm -hmm. especially back then, which wasn't even that long ago, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's, that's very, very true and very interesting. Now, what I want to ask is I see... I'm looking at you brought a framed <laughs> photo of Octavia Spencer with an autograph. So I have to ask, is that her autograph or did you just sign it? So she didn't sign it for me. It's not like I was standing in front of her at like a convention and she signed it for me at like a Comic-Con thing. A friend of mine found it online and bought it for me for my birthday one year so I could have it at my Oscar party because uh, uh, she hasn't been yet so but yeah that's um i had to bring it it's framed and um she's here with us she's so you, you have it just as a backup but then if, what if she does show up and then she's like where did you get this oh i'm just gonna say i'll be like i lied it was up a gift. for you <laughs> it was a gift yeah i got it on ebay boom i love yeah. it yeah all right. Big fan of hers. I love it. Okay, so um, we are going to obviously jump into all of those actors later. She will be last because she is our winner. But let us talk about, um, and we did actually look this pronunciation up. So if this one is wrong, then you can blame Steven Spielberg. Um, let's talk about uh, Berenice Bejo, Bejo, Be- Bernice Bejo in The Artist, uh, playing Peppy Miller. So The Artist um, is a very interesting uh, movie, you know, because uh, it's a silent picture. It's in black and white. I had never seen it before. And it's about like, you know, the transition from silent movie stars into talkies, as they called them, and the struggle that happens to a big silent talking movie star. And um, Bernice Bejo actually plays the up-and-coming talkies movie star and she eventually eclipses Jean Dujardin. Now, it's uh, just a star is born again. Yeah, <laughs> for sort the of. fifth time. Yeah, right. Sort yeah. of. That's very. That's very true, actually. And um, I thought I saw this movie before, um, but I realized I actually only saw clips. Mm. And um, so this was actually my first time watching it. And I'll be honest with you. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Hollywood just likes its self-blowing movies about old Hollywood. And that's like the La La Land. It's right. the artist. It's these movies yeah. about film. And whenever they come out, everyone just creams over them in, in the Oscars and, and Hollywood. Because it's like, hey, this is where we came from. Uh, Martin Scorsese's Hugo is one of them, too. Just talking about the first ever yeah. f- like moving picture put to film. Um, I like um, uh, Bejo's performance in it. I thought she was great. Um, well, before we do get into that, though, I do have to say yeah. that I literally was like, oh, for fuck's sakes, having to watch this movie. I loved it. It's great. I really, really liked this movie, and I was actually dreading it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, God, it's a silent movie. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sakes. I genuinely loved it. It was very nice. nostalgic, very interesting, very like, I just like the whole aesthetic of it, like everything. Jean Dujardin was perfectly cast. Yeah. Um, and they did it so well that, like, if you just showed this to someone today and said this movie came out in 1930 
seven, mm-hmm. they'd be like, oh yeah, looks great. Looks like, great. And, like I can't see the difference between this and like a Char- and Charlie Chaplin picture, mm-hmm. right? Like even picture, even people. I don't like black and white. I don't like talking movies. Like you get that those people all the time. You could say to them, no, watch this. It'll change your mind about those. Oh, maybe I'll watch it. No, no, no watch this. And then they do, and then they love it. Like, mm-hmm. Just like you, like you never saw it. Yeah. And then you did. It's like, but you gotta, like, I you have it. to force yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to. And it flows so well. That music, just everything. Like, there's not a dull moment. It's not boring. I agree. Yeah. You gotta be very animated when you're not talking because usually your voice tells a story. Now it's just your body, your mannerisms. It's very slapstick like. So, uh, the artist is a great picture. I loved it. So, specifically in this movie, so um, Berenice Bejo, she is like, <laughs> she's a fan who pulls focus at like one of Jean Dujardin's like movie premieres. And then everyone's like, who's that girl? And then um, she kind of stalks his life a little bit and then like starts wearing his clothes and then like goes into his dressing room. And it's a little EP cray on her part, like for sure. But then she starts being, she, she becomes cast in more things and um, you know, her overall performance, I imagine that this type of performance in a silent movie picture would require so much more from the actor because you're not relying on any spoken word at all. So you have to emote like in a much different way physically mm-hmm. and like, I mean, the dancing and the, it's all very big. And it's, and you usually would have a director saying, okay, uh, when you look over at him, say the dialogue, hey, it's good to see you again. There is just... You got to look over at him and act like it's good to see him again. Right. Okay, cut, do it again. Yeah. And it's like, well, how do I do that without saying it? Without you know? saying and it. So yeah. I can definitely see like both these actors like who are great uh, had to do that. I do think um, that, you know, she was <clears throat> like, yeah, I, I just kind of thought that it was like really funny because at first like she literally was stalking his life. Yeah. Like, oh my God, how did we end up in this she same She had movie? her arm through his coat pocket yeah. as she's like hugging the, like the jacket. And like making jacket. out with herself. Yeah. 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 That was kind of weird. And um, I, I think that a lot of her like really, really good acting kind of comes in whenever his life and career starts to turn to shit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she is, um, you know, like she goes to that awful movie that he was in. I can't remember what it's called. It was like, what's love got to do with it? Or like <laughs> yeah, something like that. And she's there and she's in the balcony and she's watching the movie and she's crying because she sees her hero. Um, and she sees what has become of him in his career. Mm-hmm. And then she tries to kind of save him yeah. as the supporting player does. Yeah. You know, I think that she was very interesting. It was a very interesting performance. And I really, really loved her in this movie. And I loved watching her. Um, That dance at the end uh, took five months for them to uh, perform and do. I did did all their own, And they did all their own work, too. They didn't have any stunt dancers. Five months to rehearse that. And then she says that still to Because it was all one take, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure you're in love with it. (laughs) Yeah. I I have a Clifton. He's in still my life. here. Yeah, <laughs> I have a Clifton in my life. Um, I thought that was kind of very interesting. And it, it was funny because I was looking at some of the critics, uh, what they thought about this film, and they were look like, "Oh, this is old Hollywood, like you know, like it's an old Hollywood movie, silent to talk." And they said because Bejo looks too ethnic because she's from Argentina, she wouldn't be cast back then. Right. I didn't think that at all. I was like, "Oh, this looks like a French woman. This looks like a white French woman." But they're like, "No, she's looks too." Not like people wouldn't see the movie because they'd be like, who's this? Like, we're not used to seeing people that don't look like us on screen. And I was thinking, I 
didn't see that at all. Like, did you know where she was from before you even looked it up before you made that comment? It was odd. Yeah, no, that yeah. is an odd comment. I assumed she was French. Yeah. I, I'm I sure she speaks French. She, yeah, she <laughs> yeah, like she's she from there, the yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, sc- the screenplay for the movie was only 42 pages long, and it's actually the shortest screenplay to be nominated for a major award. <laughs> There's like six words of dialogue? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's all just yeah. instructional, and yeah. I, I, it is funny to me because uh, I think that the only words on the... Th- movie where like at the very end when he says cut he says cut and then there's a bit of talking it's funny how the first words in the movie are are cut and the last word is action is action yes that's right um this is the second ever silent film to win an oscar for best picture and the first was the movie wings in 1927 that was the first one ever to win an oscar period or 29 yeah i guess it'd be 29 i guess it was 27 when the year when the movie came out Mm -hmm. and uh jean dujardin's character was named george valentin that was based on two silent movie stars douglas fairbanks and john gilbert Mm -hmm. And uh, it, she, you know, I, I would give her a supporting, uh, a supporting category for this performance, but she was actually a lead actress at the BAFTAs and actually various other award circuits. Mm. Um, I give her supporting too. I would give her supporting for yeah. this for sure. And um, you know, I just I think I've said this before in this podcast and stuff like that, but I always think it's very interesting how you can convey. An emotion or a scene or you can communicate to the audience without essentially verbally communicating. Yeah. And I think that that requires an insane amount of skill. Mm-hmm. And I think that she did that very, very well in this mm-hmm. movie. Was there any particular moment of the movie that stood out to me of her performance being like, wow, that's the Oscar moment? Not really. Yeah, because you and I, um, and we talked about it in the past, My the, uh, the moments that I usually think are Oscar moments, you usually think it's the exact same moments, which mm-hmm. means everyone probably thinks right. that's the Oscar moment. You know, Jessica Chastain yelling in a different movie or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? And, but uh, no, with this one, there wasn't like that, oh, they're going to show that at the Academy Awards as, as the moment. Like, it's what, like big eyes in your mouth going big? Like, ah, but (laughs) not really. It's like you understand Uh every scene. Mm -hmm. It's like you understand what it is that they're trying to communicate. You can understand that she feels responsible Mm -hmm. for ruining um, Jean Dujardin's career. She feels responsible for, you know, making her hero feel like shit. And you feel all of that. Do you necessarily have an Oscar moment because you're literally just doing your job and communicating exactly what you're supposed to? And what I mean by that is because I don't feel there maybe was an Oscar moment or maybe I missed an Oscar moment. Yeah. I, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong here, but I didn't really feel it. I think it was more just sort of the art, the artistry of the movie. Yes. And you don't need an Oscar moment to watch right. the movie and be like, she was a good actress or not. Like she doesn't need right. to cry. Or yell, or which you know, she did. <laughs> she did all these throw things. Throw a glass. Things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I did think it was really funny when she was hysterically driving toward him, and then she <laughs> crashes the car into a tree because yeah, she because brakes yeah. um, don't work apparently. Um, also, I love that uh, you know George Valentin had uh, the dog from Frasier. His little sidekick. That, that dog should be nominated for best supporting. <laughs> That's true, right? That was great. Yeah, he should have been nominated. Yeah. and. Uh, I think that um, it was kind of funny whenever she did feel really sorry for him at first. And then she was like, oh, this is so sad. Anyway, back to my mansion. Yeah. And she just kind of fucked off and yeah. stuff like that. Didn't really do anything to help him. I thought that was kind of funny. That was good. But overall, I really liked her in this movie. I feel like the nomination was probably caught up in the the 
the boldness of the movie and the type of movie that it was and it yeah. was like wow so i agree with the i agree with the nomination mm-hmm. i think she did a really good job but i think for me the thing maybe that was missing was just sort of like a wow moment other than the dancing which was quite impressive yeah dancing was good and again maybe it's just like you don't need that like a stick out moment like just True. because we know how tough it is to just be reactive than actually um to everything that someone else is doing without even them talking, but it's just the actions and you're reacting with your actions. It's very tough. Okay, so let us talk about Janet McTeer in Albert Knobs. First of all, <laughs> I did not recognize Janet McTeer at all because I just talked about her in the podcast. We were ta- we were watching uh, Tumbleweeds was her first Academy Award nomination mm. where she plays this like Southern yeah. sort of Aaron Brockovich character before Aaron Brockovich, if you will. Yeah. And... Um, I did not recognize her in this movie, Albert Knobs. Um, I did not. I actually even thought that it was um, the character that she was playing. I thought it was Maria Doyle Kennedy that was the character that Janet McTeer was. Like, when I say I did not recognize her, I mean, I did not no, recognize I, her. No, um, like, like, I'm not familiar with this actress's name. Like, I did not know what she looked like, mm-hmm. right? I didn't, I didn't look her up online. I looked up the movie and then looked for her name. And it was funny. So I look up the movie. I started looking for her name, and I can't find it anywhere in, like, the top 30 mm-hmm. credits. And I'm thinking, this is, this is quite odd. And then when I turn the movie on, I'm like, okay, she's got – and then I look her – I finally find her picture. I'm like, okay, that's what she looks like. I'll look for the movie. During the opening credits of this movie, it's got, like, 20 different names. Right. She's also not there as well. And I think what they did – Similar to if you've seen the movie Seven, Kevin Spacey, who's the villain who's revealed at the end, spoiler alert, didn't want his name on any press or posters because people would be watching the movie going, where's Kevin Spacey, where's Kevin Spacey, where's Kevin Spacey? So I think with Janet McTeer, it was a reveal that she is also a woman uh, dressing up as a man in 19th century London, sorry, uh, Ireland, that it's like, we don't, we're not, we're going to leave her name off so that when that reveal does happen, it's like, oh, I wasn't looking out for Janet McTeer. Here she is. Right. I yeah, mean, so I noticed that. Maybe. I, I just mm-hmm. was shocked when I realized who it was. Yeah. And I was like, oh, because first of all, I thought it was Katie Lang. Mm. Immediately. True. I was like, okay, you're giving me some Katie Lang vibes. Um, and when the movie first started, so Albert Knobs, if you've never seen it, first of all, not what I thought it was. I thought Albert Knobs was like this artsy movie where all of the male characters were played by women. Ah. So that's what I thought it was. Yeah. Again, I've never seen this, just like the artists. These yeah. are a lot of first-time viewing You don't situations. watch Albert Knobs three times a year like everybody else listens well, to? I, well, I like this movie. I liked <laughs> it a lot. Good. So basically, it's Just like, an Oscar movie no one saw. Like, three people saw, I think, when it came out. Yeah. But, like, it is good. It's like, a great I really movie. I'm glad I watched it for this. Glenn Close reprised her role. I think she played this on Broadway in the early 80s, the beginning of she her did. career. And she in the movie is let's assume a trans male who is disguising themselves during like the 18th century. Well, it's the 19th century when women uh, couldn't be progressive. So women would dress up as male uh, workers to get jobs and get paid Mm -hmm. because you know how she's saving money Mm -hmm. to eventually leave there. So she has to be a butler at this hotel. And yes, so uh, she played the role uh, the play in the 80s she wrote the screenplay she wrote the original song for this movie she mm-hmm. acted as a producer mm-hmm. she starred I think Glenn Close is amazing you know and everything she does like to say that Glenn Close is great is an understatement but we'll go back to our our nominee she was great in it and it's hard to um, act next to or like almost compare yourself to Glenn Close acting when you're in a scene because she's just fabulous but mm-hmm. I think Janet McTeer was able to hold her own and 
and who is this other person who had been in the in the um, in the hotel longer? Sorry, a little longer, unannounced, like un um, unknowingly as well. Right. And they both had these stories of why they were doing it and why they're trying to escape the life. And there weren't a lot of high paying jobs for women back then, so they had to dress up and well that was the thing that was unclear though and i didn't understand this because it was like she also had an well i'm just gonna i'm gonna say um he so albert had an attraction to like the female co-workers and was like courting them and wanted to marry them so i think through a modern lens that would be a trans male i thought she i thought she uh glenn close was trying to do that so that it looked did it look so that people weren't suspicious of her dressing up. I mean, I, so, so I thought the attractiveness was so, oh, look, that, that can't be a woman because um, they're going on dates. Uh, he's going on, Albert Nobbs is going on dates with these young people. I don't think so because yeah. if that was the case, then why would um, she, or why would Albert covet Jenik McTeer's life so much? Mm-hmm. I don't, I, but also at the same time, yeah. it was unclear. Yes. I personally feel like it was like Albert Nobbs was a trans male that like wanted the life of like a cis male and like wanted to have like a wife and open a shop and be Mm -hmm. a tobacconist, which that's a new word for me and uh, all of that. But Janet McTeer is the person that comes into the story and is hiding in plain sight, Mm -hmm. just like Albert Nobbs and is doing a much better job at it. And, you know, Albert Nobbs becomes obsessed with Janet McTeer. Mm-hmm. And um, Janet McTeer is kind of like the cool, older yes. brother kind of character. Yeah. And I cannot believe how well uh, Janet McTeer did the Irish accent. Because in Tumbleweeds, she is like Southern, mm-hmm. uh, like American. Mm-hmm. And then seeing her in this was jarring. Yeah. I did not, again, didn't recognize her. Perfect accent. I didn't know this movie was an Irish, like, it took place in Dublin. Yeah. And all the accents were really, really great. But Janet McTeer, for me, was just, like, flawless. Yeah, she was great. So good. Um, This was the sixth nomination since Dangerous Liaisons in 1989 for Glenn Close. Currently, Glenn Close has eight nominations. Zero. And she has zero Oscars. Peter O'Toole and Glenn Close hold the record for most nominations without a win. Uh, followed by Richard Burton with seven and Deborah Carr and Thelma Ritter and Amy Adams at six. But Glenn Close, yeah, it's Glenn always so close. Yep. She never wins. Super. Even that movie, The Wife, a couple years later, about, again, takes place at a time where women couldn't be writers. So her husband has to take the credit for all her work. Mm -hmm. She likes these period pieces of just, (laughs) I can't do this. Yeah, it's her jam, yeah. Uh, this is her second time playing a man. The first time was an was a bearded pirate in the movie Hook. Oh yeah, cameo. I don't remember this. They put her like they put her character. So it's when Hook is going down trying to find who the traitor is, and he's stuck at Robin Williams and Glenn Close's character next. Mm. So chooses Glenn Close's character, starts to cry. Then they pick her up and put her in a uh, chest, and then put a couple scorpions in the chest, and all you hear is yelling. That was her. That was Glenn Close. Wow. (laughs) I did not know that. Yeah. Um, So the hotel manager where Albert Knobs works is, if you've listened to this podcast, was Shirley Valentine. So it's always nice seeing her pop up over (laughs) and over again on this podcast. Um, So overall, I think that Glenn Close and Janet McTeer's sort of friendship that they created on screen together was... They were two different types of men, and it was just very well done. Mm -hmm. And I love that they weren't playing it the same way. Um... 
I was worried that Janet McTeer's performance was going to be like a five-minute performance in a two-hour movie, yeah, like, which is so often common in these like supporting Judy, roles. Judy Dench and Shakespeare in Love. 100%. Eight minutes. Eight minutes, yeah. <laughs> or was it 12? I think it's 12 <laughs> no, minutes, No, I think actually. it was eight. It was like the lowest. Something like that. Yeah. Um, Hubert was Janet McTeer's character's name. Uh, Hubert sort of Hubert obviously Church. represents the life yeah. that Albert Nobbs wishes that he had. And um, do you remember when they dress, they, they wear dresses after Hubert loses his wife and then Albert Nobbs comes to comfort him and then they go out of the house wearing the dresses? Yeah. I don't know if I understood that scene. It was like this, let's go for it. Uh-huh. See if anyone, mm-hmm. it was like a playful it was. Scene. It was like, here we are. Yeah. I don't know if I understood that scene, but I did think that what was so amazing about it was that Janet McTeer was wearing a woman's dress like a man. Mm. But she's a woman playing a man wearing a woman's dress. Yes. So she looked like Lurch from the Addams Family <laughs> wearing a dress. And she, she did, did it actually. so good. Yep. I loved it. I thought it was so well done. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, what in the end? Spoiler alert: Albert Nobbs uh, dies of yes. a concussion. Yes, right. Concussion, yeah. Because he goes to bed after. Yeah, it's. Um, I think. Yeah, because he just didn't wake up. Just didn't wake up. Yeah. Bloody ear. Yep. Which is on Family Guy, where they're like, "Well, was he bleeding from the ear?" They're like, "No." They're like, "Well, he was fine." Yeah. Like, just, just. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah. Al- if you have not seen Albert Nobbs. You have to see this movie. It's good. I loved this movie. I never would have saw it, or uh, because again, when I when I looked at the list of all these films of Octavia's year, I'm like, oh, here's another one of those Oscar movies. Period piece based on a play, based on a book, based on a you know, it's right. like here it is, just like a lot of white people going hello, sounding like Julia Childs and yeah, which like some taste, and then I watch it, I'm like, oh, this is different. Yeah, this is actually good. There's a story here. Yeah, it's um, it it relates to modern time too. Yeah, you know, of um, of equality and and uh, jobs and pay and yeah, I uh, and trans identity. I trans like identity. Yeah, it could definitely be <laughs> that's there. a big one. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, the thing that I think was so interesting about this movie is I thought it was going to be like gay Downton Abbey, mm. and I was like, I'm into it. Like we're not mad at this, you know. And then it kind of is not really like that. The reviews for this movie were extremely mixed. Um, but obviously the acting was where it was all celebrated, yeah. which which makes sense and stuff like that. But um, overall, you know, it's just so great seeing another side of Glenn Close. So great seeing another side of Janet McTeer and um, playing Hubert. And um, yeah, I really, I cannot stress this enough. If you have not seen this movie, yeah. uh, watch it. It's it's really great. Albert and this Hobbs. is another movie that I was dreading to watch. This is why I'm saying this. Yeah. Because I saw The Artist and I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. I- like we say as well, Kyle, I think this is the first year. Well, this is the third time that we've done this. But like all the movies that we usually have to watch are downers. Just yeah, right. like someone <laughs> dying of cancer in a bed or yeah. someone Suicide. doing this. Yeah. yeah. Or Naomi Watts after a tsunami with her face cut with glass. Like this is actually yeah. like, hey, I enjoyed a lot of these movies. Yeah. I loved, <laughs> yeah. I loved Albert. Yeah. So that's, it's like I was, I was hesitant to the artist. I loved it. I was hesitant to Albert Nobbs and. You know, I loved it. This was a great year for supporting. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, I don't do a lot of supporting actress episodes because I find them to be five-minute performances in three-hour mm. movies, which yeah. is just no thank you. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes, the roles for women when you go far back aren't great. No. So I generally am like, ugh, when I have to do a supporting. But this year, mm-hmm. this was a great year for supporting. Yes. 
Yes. So thank you. You're welcome. For picking out this here. Okay. So uh, let us talk about Melissa McCarthy in the movie Bridesmaids. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't even... So first of all, this is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> this is one time. of my favorite movies. So, oh, yeah. Sorry. I forgot to say at the beginning. So I know when you go down the list, this is the best picture. This is the best director. I always say what my favorite movie was that year. So 2003, I said it was Kill Bill. Mm. This year, I think my favorite movie was Bridesmaids. Was Bridesmaids. Uh, 2011. Or that movie uh, Melancholia by Lars von Trier starring Kirsten Dunst. If you watch that, go ahead. Um, I was thinking about that movie the other day, actually. Melancholia? I've never seen it. No? I've heard it's amazing. You should watch it, yeah. Um, but Bridesmaids, yes, is such a good movie. And it's hard because... I'm try. I try to watch. I try to get my guy friends to watch. I'm like, you gotta watch. It. It's hilarious. Oh man, no, it's called Bridesmaids. Fuck that. I'm gonna go watch Adam uh, Grown Ups Two with Kevin James and Adam Sandler. I was like, no, I just this is actually really yeah. funny. Yeah. yeah, this is such a funny movie. Beginning, and this was usually roles or the type of film that was reserved for the men. Yeah, like poo jokes and this and but it was so honest. Yeah, a lot of women loved it because it's like, yeah, like we do sometimes when we wake up at a guy's house, go to the bathroom and kind of brush our teeth and put on a little mascara before sneaking back into bed, right. you know? Right. It was like a little shout out. But I love this movie. But yeah, you go ahead. Well, no, I mean, uh, well, Bridesmaids, the whole thing about this movie is so it's written by Annie Mamolo and Kristen Wiig, um, who Barb and Star go to Vista mm-hmm. Del Mar. And Paul Feig directed it. Uh, Annie Mamolo, if you don't recognize her, she's the woman on the plane that's like, I had a dream last night. We went down. <laughs> you were in it. What? So <laughs> yeah. this movie, I have seen this movie 400,000 times. I didn't even need to watch this movie. I did because I like it, but I didn't need to. I know every line from this movie. Nice. Um, they were nominated for Best Original Screenplay and Melissa McCarthy's character... Megan, uh, it, this was her star-making vehicle because up until this point, people only really knew her as Suki St. James from Gilmore Girls. Or Mike and Molly. Uh, nope, Mike and Molly was after. And Dee Dee, yep, and oh, wow. Dee Dee from uh, Life as We Know It. And Dee Dee was the character that's like, uh, you have shit on your face. That was like her line, that's and right. it was in the trailer, and that was her thing. So Melissa McCarthy was known for comedy. She mm-hmm. was known for like Gilmore Girls, which is very wholesome. Yep. And then you see her in this. It's a complete departure of where she was from. And I mean, I don't really know if I need to tell people what Bridesmaids is about, but basically like, <laughs> you know, Kristen Wiig's character's best friend is getting married and she feels like she's losing her best friend because Kristen Wiig's life is just in the crapper. And her best friend, Maya Rudolph, is the one good thing that she has and she feels like she's losing it. And Maya Rudolph has a new friend who and is prettier, Helen, a little thinner, yes. and uh, who has a better job and has a bit more money, yep. who fears now that she's going to lose her best friend who's getting married to this new bridesmaid who she had never met so there's a dynamic of a little bit of competition there which Mm -hmm. the scenes can get really really funny with and um but also yeah she's like she gets like she works at a jewelry store she doesn't have a lot of money her she still lives with her mom like not really successful men yep it's her last movie by the way this is jill claber's last movie poor girl and and you know what another thing i do like when there are standout comedies some years Mm -hmm. that the oscars do recognize for screenplay like i remember when my big fat greek wedding came out everyone's like what is this movie like it came out of nowhere everyone should see it boom and then i got a best screenplay nomination as well Mm -hmm. um melissa mccarthy like she stole the show like i had i I was kind of late to the game seeing this movie i still did see it in theaters laugh my ass off but everyone else were t- was talking about it but they all said melissa mccarthy was this uh, the show stealer funny similar thing it's like with pitch perfect 
how Rebel Wilson stole the show in that, but she also makes an appearance in Bridesmaids here as the roommate. <laughs> the fir- everything I heard about Pitch Perfect is like Rebel Wilson, the bigger yeah. girl, steals the show, and she uh, and she appears in this too, yeah. which I think is good. I always am saying like at least once a week, I'm like, we would like to no longer. Wait, what would she say? She's like, no we would like to invite you to no longer. Live. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we say that all the time. Uh, okay, so Melissa McCarthy based. She is one of the people that's in the the wedding party. Uh, okay, so Melissa McCarthy based the look and characterization of her character, Megan, off of Guy Fieri, <laughs> which, when you watch it back, makes absolute perfect sense. Um, the reason why there was diarrhea and shit and vomit was because Judd Apatow told them to put it in. They didn't want to. Mm. They were like, I don't think the movie needs it. But Judd Apatow was like, if you want to get the guys, you got to put shit and piss in it. <laughs> and uh, that's so funny that you said that. But... Wow. Um, this was the highest grossing R-rated female comedy of, or this is the highest grossing R-rating, uh, R-rated female comedy of all time in the domestic box office, edging out Sex in the City from 2008. Oh, nice. No. And it's a female comedy, I guess, predominant cast. It's the most female. financially successful Judd Apatow production. Wow. Um, the moment when Annie says that she has an imaginary boyfriend, George Glass, this was also the name of Jan Brady's fictional boyfriend on The Brady Bunch. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, in the original script, they actually did make it to Vegas, uh, but due to the success, due to the success of The Hangover, they changed it because it would obviously pale in comparison. That plane scene is so funny. Yeah. I've actually watched it and then rewound that plane scene several times when they're yeah. on that plane. Oh, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just it's just the best. Just Melissa McCarthy on there, especially like, and that was her Oscar moment when uh, her now husband, I forget his name, the gentleman sitting beside Melissa McCarthy who plays the air life, the air Bell, marshal, uh, Ben Falcone. Yeah. Who directed, I think, Tammy and The Boss, like a few of her other films. Life of the Party and Tammy, which led her to two Razzie nominations. Oh, fun, fun. Yeah, so fuck him, right? <laughs> oh, I love it. She did. Um, but I think her Oscar clip was when he comes out of the bathroom and he put, and she puts his her leg up. He goes, you feel that? You feel that steam? Like from my undercarriage? That's yeah. all. That's all he <laughs> like does this little rotation twirl. Yeah. Yeah. She, and she was great. Like she starts off, like she always has like these good lines. Like they're at this... Of course, like, you know, I just like going back and forth with these lines. Like the Brazilian steakhouse, oh, I don't eat uh, food before a, fi- uh, before a fitting, I bloat. And Melissa McCarthy, not me, I don't bloat. She's just like the chubbiest one there. Yeah. <laughs> like it's so, Physically, but then, I don't but, bloat. but then near the end, it's like, like she gets very heartwarming where it's like she was just the girl at the side making funny jokes and stuff, like uh, with some one liners. And then it's like, no, look at me. Like, I'm your friend. Like, I became one of your best friends through this whole thing. And Kristen Wiig has to realize, like, I was so worried about losing this other friend. I wasn't looking to these other opportunities of getting these new friends and opening up a little bit. And that's why, like, she turns away that cop near the beginning and runs away. And, you know, so, but, yeah, Melissa McCarthy's character helped her grow. That's the thing. I honestly kind of wonder (laughs) if near the end, whenever she's like, you know, it's interesting. You say you don't have any friends. Here's a friend right here in front of you. I always kind of wondered, I was like, I wonder if they stuck that scene in with Megan near the end because they saw her, how well her performance was going, mm. that they were like, oh, like you might actually have something here. So let's like make her more of a supporting character. Like when she shows up with all the dogs. And they're like, <laughs> I okay, took so nine. That's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. That I thought was, it was a, when that scene kind of came in because M- M- Megan for the majority of the movie is just punchlines. So you don't really see much depth to her. Yeah. And then in the end when she comes in and then she explains of how she's like, I know that you're looking at me thinking like, wow, high school must have been a breeze for her. She's yeah. like, not the case, Annie, not the case. Yeah. It's like, 
I always thought that scene was kind of weird because I was like, well, up until this point, you were just a punchline. And now we're getting this character, like this humanization of you. But we're not getting that from Rita. And we're not getting that from um, whatever friggin... uh, Yeah. uh, What the... Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. You know, and uh, you're literally like, I find that so weird uh, that they added that in. I wonder if they put that in because of how well she was acting. They're like, we need to really plug up your character. I'm not, I'm not yeah. sure. But um, I do think that every line that she has in this movie is quotable. It was such a different change. It's funny. Whenever she's in a movie like Please Forgive Me, yeah. whenever she does these like non-glamorous yeah. kind of bro-ish, dude-ish kind of characters, yeah. she's like critically acclaimed. Yeah. But when she plays more like feminine female characters, I find audiences don't really care for Or they don't care for it as well, much. Well, they're just not good movies. Tammy and... Uh, oh, I uh, one. Yeah. Uh, Identity Thief with Jason Bateman. I think like people yeah. just took her character in Bridesmaids and said, well, let's exaggerate this mm-hmm. times 10 and just throw you in everything. All those movies, I think, made a bit of money, but yeah. they just weren't good but everyone's like oh, i love Melissa mccarthy i'm gonna go but yeah. you know like the script was definitely not what bridesmaids was well i yeah. do think though that like when she was in spy like yeah that was, an that was all right because movie. that was the director of bridesmaids too that was paul feig as yeah. well yeah right and uh, i thought judd apatow directed it for the longest no. time he's just a producer yeah he, he produces all that stuff he oh produces, i know like other guys step but i thought he directed it too no i was actually like kind of like what the fuck he's like, only directed like four movies <laughs> that doesn't apatow. surprise me yeah yeah he doesn't direct a lot it doesn't but surprise Paul Feig, yeah, and that's when Jason Statham's in there in a comedy for once when he never is. <laughs> um, yeah, no, just a lot of really quotable lines, just like female Fight Club, you just beat the shit out of her, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, you I know, ju- I, I just think that this was Melissa McCarthy's breakout role. It was her, well, not like breakout role, but like her star-making vehicle because she was already working quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but this was her star-making vehicle and... Um, this is what like blew her into the stratosphere and you can see why. And then when you find out that she based all of her characterizations and look off of Guy Fieri, yeah. you're like, oh, that's so funny. And I do love that. Um, yeah. Like this movie got some Oscar rec- like uh, uh, recognition. Yeah. Recognition. For sure. <laughs> I got you, baby. I got you. Um uh, Yeah. No. Uh, Melissa McCr- I think that this is probably one of the best uh, comedic, performances in a movie oh, of yeah. all time. Oh, absolutely. Just so, so, so good. And uh, I always love watching Melissa McCarthy in uh, both a dramatic and a comedic, which, by the way, is very difficult to do. It is. Rob Williams, I think, did it really well. Uh, some actors do. Like, you find out some actors came from SNL. Like, I was like, oh, Tom Hanks and Christopher Walken came from SNL. Like, they all, like, they both have comedy backgrounds and they're some of the best working actors ever, right? So, 100%. In dramas. Well, that's like uh, Bill Hader. Yeah, it's great. It's one of those things where you see someone that I think it's because people that can act comedically can act dramatically. Yes, but not the other way around. But not the other way around. Yeah, that's definitely a thing. And Melissa McCarthy clearly can do both. Oh, yeah. Um, She's great. Yeah, a lot of the stuff in this movie was improvised, and then they later put it into a script and incorporated it into the story to make it make sense. Nice. But a lot of uh, this movie was uh, originally improvised. Did you see that movie, This Is 40? With uh, Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann. It was an Apatow movie, like an unofficial sequel to Knocked Up based on a couple. Well, anyway, there's even if you even if you folks listen, go to YouTube, you just type in This Is 40, Melissa McCarthy scene. It's one scene where I think Melissa McCarthy's kid had punched 
Paul Rudd's kid, and they're just talking to the principal for two minutes, but Melissa McCarthy just goes off yeah. and off and off. And then the blooper reel at the end during the credits, Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann are just laughing because like, they just let Melissa McCarthy go at it. <laughs> and she just didn't stop. Oh, I've seen that it's just a scene. Funny lo- it's just a funny scene. So just type in, this is 40, Melissa McCarthy. There's a blooper reel and the, and the theatrical version. It's it's, it's It goes on forever. Yeah. She and I remember, yeah, because uh, uh, what's his face? He, he starts laughing at Yeah, one Paul point. Rudd just Paul can't, Rudd, yeah. can't hold it in. Um, so yeah, Melissa McCarthy, uh, Fritz Bernays. Oh, one of my yeah. favorite lines from this movie is Fritz like Bernays. whenever she's like, guess who Helen knows and is friends with? Yeah. Lady St. Petswa, Jeju. I just love <laughs> I it. Like, so silly. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about... Jessica Lang in The Jessica, Help. Who's Jessica Lang? Jessica, did I say Jessica Lang? Jessica <laughs> Chastain. Oh, it has, guys. It, Jessica I'm, Simpson in The Help. Yeah. <laughs> it has been, it has been a week. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have water in my apartment <laughs> right now. Uh, we had cockroaches. I'm going to be honest with you. Watching these movies was, <laughs> it's, it's. It's been a week. I'll be honest with you. Boom. I apologize. Jessica Chastain in The Help, not Jessica Lange. Although, why couldn't we have Jessica Lange in The Help? I'd like to see that. Um, Jessica Chastain in The Help. She plays Celia. And um, Celia from Sugar Ditch. And uh, Jessica Chastain, this was the first time I had ever seen her. Because I saw this movie when it came out. I wasn't familiar with her. She blew She's up. a blonde. She oh, blew she up after this. Blew up. Well, I mean, of course, she got nominated yeah. for an Oscar. And then Zero Dark Thirty. And then her little Oscar run came to a little bit of a halt. I had yeah. a feeling she'll be coming back, though. Maybe next year. Um, so the help is white people saving black people. It's, um, yeah, like it is like it is a story uh, that a white woman writes from back then in the 60s about uh, the black maids and how they're treated and how they're basically raising how the black help the maids are basically raising these white kids and babies and what motivates the writer to happen is that her the black woman who lives in her house who gets fired after 29 years who basically raised her more than her actual mother did gets fired and she coincidentally has a job at a newspaper and says i want to tell this story that's right yeah and um the writer of the book uh, Catherine Stockett was rejected 60 times before it was ever published, which I think is really funny because to me that just says, like, never give up, kids. 60 times. Yeah. Okay, by I think the fourth time. Yeah. I'd be like, you know, I don't think they want it, but I still went 56 but Just imagine times. on the 55th time she decided to give up, which is completely logical for any human to give up at. 60 times. 60 times. That is, that is just crazy to me. Well, um, yeah, these white people, oh, I don't want that story about, told. That's white entitlement. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't just, know. I got this. I don't want this. No, but the, these publishers, I don't want this story being told. I don't want them, you to make white people look bad back then. This is how it was. Or I don't, like, <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Oh, really, Rob? Were you there in the publishing office listening? No, but I, <laughs> I just, that I just think that's was. 60 times. Yes. That's and, crazy. Yes, and Viola Davis has since then, uh, last year, uh, with an interview, I believe it was with Vanity Fair, they New asked York her, Times. New York Times said, asked her if she, there's any movies that she or roles that she regretted, and this was one of them, The Help, because she felt that the maids didn't tell the full story. It was actually the Emma Stone character's words, just using some of the maids' stories when I think that the the, the dominant voice should have been uh, the help itself. Yeah, she said that she regretted doing this role due to its white savior complex, and you never really get to know Minnie or mm-hmm. um, 
uh, Abilene at all. We um, do like like I haven't read the book, but I th- like v- uh, visually speaking, like Viola Davis's opinion is not right or wrong, right? If she doesn't like the movie, mm-hmm. she doesn't like the movie. But I uh, like I definitely learned from that movie. Like I was like, oh, I did not know the story. I feel like Viola Davis and Octavia. Uh, and some of the other uh, uh, cast who played the maids like, did it really well, and I was able to see how these folks were treated back then. And the white savior, th- it's it, it's all about the intent of the of the person saving. Is it like, is this for my financial gain? Am I writing this story because it's my job and I want to make money, or is it like, I don't mind making any money, or if I do or I don't, but this is a story that needs to be told for America and for humanity. So I guess Viola felt. Um, it wasn't uh, – it was like I, like maybe all the producers were white and they all made money off of the story as well. well the example. director was white and yeah. the author of the book is white. So I know like for example like when Steven Spielberg, who's Jewish, made the movie Schindler's List, he took a $1 salary and said all the movies should go to like Holocaust survivors. Right. Right? That's not a Jewish savior saving the Jews. It's like right. – or, or a white savior for example because he's not doing it for personal gain. Mm-hmm. So I think it might – have to do with that yeah no 100 percent. i mean i mean listen i don't even we don't really need to get into this too much it's just <laughs> yeah. that what i am just saying is that this is the biggest criticism of the movie yes is that it was like a white savior thing and uh it has since been celebrated as the ultimate white savior movie mm-hmm. and when you watch it you know you can definitely see it but um let's focus specifically on uh, jessica chastain jessica chastain right now so J- she just in this movie is the girl that is sort of the marilyn monroe of the time and yes. she is married to the villain's ex-lover that the villain is still in love with so she chooses to shun Jessica Chastain and um basically no one will work for her or help Jessica Chastain out because they think that she's like a cheating whore and all this stuff and Jessica Chastain is interesting because she's kind of i guess you could say kind of a little ditzy with a heart of gold, but I think that she's supposed to represent the child that grew up, that the maids raised, that didn't turn into a monster. Uh-huh. Because that's, they keep saying that. They're like, you raise these kids and then they become your boss. Yeah. And she's like, and then they become the worst. Yeah. It's almost like Jessica Chastain. It's like she was this child that they raised, but then she didn't become the worst. Yeah. And, um, then Octavia Spencer, you know, comes in as her maid and then treats her like with humanity yeah. and like treats her well. And you shows know, her how to cook and all that. Yeah, exactly. Which for the time is like just groundbreaking, you know. Yeah. And um, Jessica Chastain, this is the first time I'd ever seen her. I always thought she was blonde, but looks much better as a redhead, I gotta say. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's gorgeous in this movie. She gained a lot of weight for the role. Uh, and to do that, because she was vegan at the time, she ate a lot of soy ice cream, uh, melted it in the microwave, and like drank it to gain weight for the role. Wow. Which is interesting. Um, it's not really uh, until, you know, you see Jessica Chastain's, like, career unfold of what it is now, and you look back on her in this movie, and you go, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, like, again, like, this is when she was in everything. She was in, like, she showed up in The Help, and then she was in a movie called Take Shelter with Michael Shannon, mm-hmm. which was around that Oscar time, and then this yeah. horror movie, Mama, and then it was yeah, just, I like... I loved Mama. Yeah, Mama, yeah. and it was just, like, who is this, right? Like, she just was everywhere so fast. Yes. And, um... It was a bit of overexposure, Zero Dark Thirty, and everyone's like, oh, every movie this girl's going to do, she's just going to 
be nominated for or win, right? And then, unfortunately, uh, that's not the case. Uh, she's not making uh, like uh, she's still making some good films, but she's not getting as much Oscar praise as she used to. Um, yeah, I do feel like she is a supporting role to Octavia Spencer in yes, this. Yes, she is. Notice yes. that. So Octavia Spencer is the dominant character in every situation here. Uh, when she's with uh, uh, Jessica Chastain's character, Jessica Chastain's character is always submissive to Octavia Spencer almost, like learning this, learning this, and she's not like a racist white person that all the other uh, ladies are in the film. But I feel like Octavia really overshadowed Chastain. And this is one of those things where it's like when you have a movie where two nominees are from the same movie, mm-hmm. one will be better than the other. Well, I mean, she was a supporting character to Octavia in that, like, she was essentially just, mm-hmm. like, her exclusive scene partner. But yeah. Octavia was Jessica's supporting because the husband even says, like, you saved my wife. Yeah. That's what a supporting character does. Mm-hmm. I feel like Octavia was the supporting character to Jessica because Jessica was a fucking disaster. She couldn't cook. She couldn't clean. She couldn't yeah. do anything. And Octavia showed her how to do everything. Yeah. So she kind of supported her. But I think that Jessica Chastain maybe showed a side of white people to Octavia Spencer's character, yeah. uh, Minnie, that like, hey, we're not all the worst. Yeah. Right? So I guess in that way, she was sort of a supporting character to Octavia. And I'm glad that she was real. It wasn't like uh, the movie Hidden Figures with uh, Kevin Costner. And they're like, he's like the only non-racist white person at NASA. But then you find out later that the movie just threw him in. Just so that when we're watching the movie today, we'd be like, hey, that's the guy that I would have been if I was around in 1961. Right. Right? When they throw in a woke white person in 1948. And you're like, that person wasn't real. But they throw it in so that the modern audience relates. But the Jessica Chastain character was real and is in the book. So it's nice to see that there were some decent people. Like, absolutely. Um, I thought it was funny how she could, Jessica Chastain's character, Celia, couldn't do anything, but boy, could she decapitate a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> she just was like, damn. <laughs> like, not wasting any time. God. Because she's from Sugar Ditch. Um, yeah, I do. Great accent. And again, like watching it, if we just watched this and did this podcast in 2011, we wouldn't be able to compare this to any other of Jessica Chastain's work. Exactly. Because we don't know how she would talk. We're like, oh, yeah. is that her real accent? Yeah, we haven't seen her anything. She's great. But now it's like, because we know that she is not like that, we're like, well, this is actually a great performance. And because, a very different kind of role for her in general. Yes. Yeah. Uh, or maybe she was just waiting to get to the Zero Dark Thirty roles. I don't know. But like, mm-hmm. this was definitely a very interesting role for her. I also thought um, whenever she like miscarries, she's in bed crying about, and you find out about like her previous miscarriages and stuff like that. You can tell that she's obviously been through a lot of shit. And what's great about her character is that she still has this really positive sort of Mm -hmm. outlook and she's cute. She's sweet. Yeah. She's the Marilyn Monroe character of the, of the story. Yeah. Cause you know, this is 1963 in, uh, what was it? Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. It's in Mississippi. And uh, this was whenever civil rights actress uh, Medgar Evers was assassinated. By the way, Bryce Dallas Howard, um, uh, just so good. Like, you hate her so fucking much. Like, she, you really got to give it up for her. Because, she has that like, look. Yeah, she just, <laughs> yeah. Like, so she actually hangs a photo of uh, Hilly, the character that she plays in this movie, above her own toilet. And she describes it as where she belongs. Which I thought that was very funny. Um, But Bryce Dallas Howard in this movie, 
oh wow what a fucking cunt like yeah. just play no, you do beautifully yep yeah and emma stone's character named skeeter of all things it sounds like a guy in louisiana would name his dog like come here skeeter get up here i'm yeah. like whose name is skeeter that's a real name by a person yeah so the the <laughs> origin of this name that i read it's because it was a nickname that her older brother gave her because it was like she was so thin that yeah. it was like a mosquito but they called them <laughs> skeeters skeeters so yeah. look at the skeeters so that's why she had that ridiculous you don't have to wall um i do always think about that scene whenever she goes when jessica chastain is drunk and she goes up to bryce dallas howard at the party and she's like he never cheated on you and then she's fucking wasted she rips the dress and she's embarrassing herself in front of everyone oh my god that scene gives me so much anxiety yeah because it's like I'm just looking in a mirror. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, girl, what's up? That's me. Yeah. Um, and Emma Stone's character, I liked it because she's like, I want to focus on this book. And her mom, Allison Janney, no, you need to find a man. You need to find a husband. If you don't find one, I'm going to have a heart attack tomorrow. And it was just a part of that time. <laughs> I think that um, it, I think that at the moment, uh, Jessica Chastain has uh, some Oscar or potential Oscar buzz for the movie The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I haven't seen it yet. Is this uh, a 2021 release? Uh, I am not sure. I think it did the rounds at TIFF and some festivals and stuff like that and the reviews are pretty much like the performance is amazing but there's always story issues etc which not only for a lot of the Oscar nominations for acting well like uh, like Margot Robbie and I Tanya the movie's okay but like everyone's like oh she was great right you know yeah that's right and Allison uh, Janney's in that one too oh yeah Uh, so (laughs) excuse me she's great do you have anything else that you would like to add before we move on about Jessica Chastain uh no Okay, so let's talk about our autographed framed headshot here <laughs> of Octavia Spencer, oh. the iconic mini, a.k.a. Eat My Shit. Eat My Shit, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um... I think she says mm-hmm in every film that she's in. Yeah, she does. <laughs> like, even in Shape of Water, I think she's late and just goes mm-hmm, like to the boss. <laughs> it's like, we all should be just doing that. And you have to wonder if she hates it or if she loves it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You wonder. Um, I always, uh, find it really funny when you're watching any movie and then like, or just a show and then you see Leslie Jordan, Mm -hmm. uh, he's in this movie predominantly featured and I'm like, oh my God, what are you doing in this movie? Uh, He was perfectly cast. That was fine. I just, I always, I don't know why Leslie Jordan, I cannot take him seriously. (laughs) I just can't. In the help? In in anything. I just cannot take him seriously. That's funny. Um, so yeah, no, I I already had something here about Bryce Dallas Howard, but she yeah, plays the the victim very well. So Octavia Spencer is the other maid um, that literally um, has such a problem with just letting shit slide, no pun intended. Yeah, and she literally is just. Uh, that person that will kind of stand up for what she believes in, but sometimes she can't control herself. Yeah. And it always kind of, but the way that they get away with publishing this book is that because she makes Bryce Dallas Howard eats her shit in a pie. And then, uh, when she finds out about it, she knows that the evil Bryce Dallas Howard will not reveal to everyone. Cause the book in the movie is written by anonymous that Bryce Dallas Howard will not reveal that it is about Jackson, Mississippi. And it is about all of their maids because then she would have to admit that she ate the shit pie. Yeah. So yeah. Octavia a- Spencer was fired. Yeah. Maybe was fired and then brought the, the pie over as a, as a goodbye or a sorry or a thank you or yeah. Gift. As and a, it just as, watches her eat it. Yes. And, um, you know, I think she, 
is very much like she stands up for the principle that she believes in because she got fired for allegedly peeing in the in the whites ha- only bathroom in the whites only bathroom but she didn't even pee yeah she just flushed the toilet yeah and she did that out of spite because it's the principle yeah and so she is that type of character where she's like fuck you i'm doing it anyway yeah and I mean, you just see Octavia Spencer shine in this role, mm-hmm. and she really is incredible in this movie. And again, similar to Chastain, we didn't see her other work of really acting. It was just, you know, the hooker from Bad Santa when Billy Bob Thornton asked, can I fuck you in the ass? <laughs> like, that's actually... Oh, was that her? Well, Octavia Spencer says, last time I was with you, I didn't shit right for a week. Actually, pun intended to. <laughs> oh, yes! yes <laughs> but, yes, like, yes, she yes. just is just this character, stereotype, a bigger black woman, like, in these movies with not a lot of range or depth, and then, bam, she shows up in this and just kills it. And it's hard to act next to Viola Davis, who is just a powerhouse and everything. You know, she should have won an Oscar for this movie, but if she regrets the role, then I f- then maybe not. And I'm glad that she has her Oscar for Fences and stuff I, like that. I would have gave it to her other than uh, uh, Viola Davis over Meryl Streep, I think. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, that's another episode. <laughs> but I will say that I wouldn't, if she, if Viola Davis would have won for the help, I'd be like, yeah, like totally. Yeah. Um, plus, I don't know if you've ever seen The Iron Lady, but oh, it's so boring. Yeah. Great acting, obviously, but oh, God, it's so boring. Um, yeah. But I do think, though, that, you know, Octavia Spencer, it's, it's interesting to watch Minnie's sort of the consequences of both lo- losing her job and then her husband, like, beating the shit out of her. And yeah. I like that you never really see the husband. Yeah, no, you just kind of hear his voice, and yeah. then she's kind of scared against the wall a little bit. And, like, you see what he does to her. Yeah. It's like it's not his story. Mm-hmm. You don't need to see him. And again, like what you said, she's like, like, like she's the character of I've had enough of this. Yeah. You know, I'll tell the story. Like yeah. of like I'll talk to Emma Stone, yeah. the white lady, about you know the maids, and I'll flush the toilet because I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And um, I think that uh, she's even the one that actually even calls out Emma Stone in the story for being the white savior, mm-hmm. and then she leaves. And then she comes back and she's yeah. like, okay, fine, I'll do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, from a perspective, it's like at that time, yeah. a, only a white person could publish a book Well, yeah, like because that. like they bring it up in that Mississippi uh, rules or something. It yeah. was saying like how you can't, if you want to protest or talk about anything that's not about like, like stop segregation, mm-hmm. it's illegal for mm-hmm. a black person to do that. And like the white savior, like we do need people of the thing to call out the thing that's bad. Like we need good cops to call out the bad cops, you know, that hasn't happened recently or the, um, or like the me too. We need other men to hold other men accountable, right? It can't just be victims mm-hmm. who have to stand up. It has to be also the same thing, but the good side to do it as well. So there has to be good white people marching with, the, with Dr. Luther King and all that. It can't mm-hmm. just be, uh, the victims of the whole thing. Right. Yeah. But again, it's all about the intent. If you're just doing it to look good, uh, for yourself, it's you know it's very um, it's very selfish. But if you're doing it because this is a problem that needs to be addressed, then then you're doing the right thing. And you know I find her where a lot of her comedy is is involved in this movie. It's always based sort of like on her pride. Like whenever Jessica Chastain is like, oh, you know, are there any burnt? Because they're like frying the chicken, and yeah. she's like, oh, are there any burnt pieces? And she's very much like. Mini don't burn fried chicken. <laughs> it was just the way that she says it. Um, I think that, uh, um, you know, she's like, um, we, we, we're living in hell. We're trapped. 
and our kids are trapped. Mm -hmm. And she says that, and she's breaking down while she's saying that. It's a very, very difficult movie to watch because you're like, oh, God, like, just, like, it's this part of history that you look at that is obviously better now, but there's still segregation, Mm -hmm. and there's still so many things that are so fucked up in the world, and you're just like, oh, my God, like, it's, uh, it's a very white savior movie but it is an important movie to watch and it is important for white people to watch this kind of shit yeah to be like hey like this wasn't that long ago and also like if it was a black like it took the like the real artist sorry the real author was 60 times to get it approved if it was a black author i don't think that we'd be talking about this story today maybe yeah maybe we may we might we might not but i think that celia's husband that says that many saved celia's life as we were talking about before, is basically just sort of the ultimate supporting player in this movie, sort of between Octavia Spencer and between, um, you know, Jessica Chastain, because I do feel like Jessica Chastain's nomination was very much because it was like this side of her that we hadn't seen before. Yeah. You know, because she had been doing a lot of television and and things like this. But also... um, Seeing her acting. I mean, I think that when Jessica Chastain was having like those, the miscarriage and the babies and stuff, mm-hmm. that's where I really felt sympathy for her character. I'm yeah. sorry, but like whenever you're just like a bored housewife, like, yeah, cool. Like, yeah, exactly. And have really... a couple of lines. No, 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 yeah. but she had some range for sure. And she, uh, I thought, I thought Chastain was great. But of course, this role is iconic. I mean, for Octavia Spencer mm-hmm. and the shit pie is iconic Mm -hmm. and uh sissy spacek who was um bryce dallas howard's mother did not want to do this movie no but then she said that she would if she could improvise some things Ah. to make her character more sort of realistic because apparently you know there's not really much to sissy spacek's character yeah she sits in a chair she got to sit exactly yeah and she just reads a book yeah so i was a little weird though to see such a big star Mm -hmm. just kind of doing like the background stuff yeah that was interesting so she did add a little bit more to it and i thought that was very interesting but you know octavia spencer in this movie is just incredible it's iconic very difficult to watch sometimes very funny to watch sometimes And uh, we have a autographed headshot right in front of us um, to pay homage to her. Yeah. I feel like we should light a little candle or something. Story for the best action <laughs> podcast. Or the Instagram. This is great. Nice. Um, all right. Do you have anything else that you'd like to add before we select our winner? Uh, nope. That's good. Um, yeah. Okay. So you home. are uh, the guest. So Ooh. I will uh, let you say who you think the Oscar should have gone to. Okay. So I think the Oscar should have gone to... Octavia Spencer. All right. I kind of figured since you have an <laughs> autographed headshot. Well, but, not biased today. But why? No, I, like, again, um, a few of these movies I had uh, not, sorry, like Albert Knobs I had not seen. I like, think that was my second place choice. Maybe uh, if I had seen that movie a few more times, um, maybe I may have went, went with that. But I've seen I've seen The Help a few times. And again, Octavia's career, which was one way, and then it's just like, boom, breakout acting chops oscar like golden globe like i i really think she brought it and the other the nominations that she gets in other films are also deservably so as well because she's not playing mimi in those other movies too so i think it's other roles as well that make this one also great because we can see the range of this actress i didn't know who um um uh albert novels what's her name uh, Jenny McTeer. Uh, I didn't even know who she was before this, so I can't compare it to other work, unfortunately, like I know you do. Yeah. Uh, but I think the Oscar should have gone to Octavia Spencer. I love it. Okay. Um, so I think that 
Mm-hmm. Who am I? Okay, ooh, I ooh, I am ooh, really girl. I am really torn here. All right, okay, okay. Um, I think the Oscar. Fuck. I'm okay. I'm like really <laughs> torn here. Okay, I think the Oscar should have gone to. Melissa McCarthy for Bridesmaids. I know. It's because, you know, like, it's just seeing her in, like, Gilmore Girls (laughs) and seeing her in different movies and stuff like that. And then seeing her in this, not only was it, like, the biggest deal movie when it came out, I was obsessed with it. I have seen this movie a hundred times. Also, just, like, from one comedian to another, like, I just love a comedic performance. And she... It just does it so, so fucking well. And I think that when you do a comedic performance and you also have the guys that are also like, yeah, that was really funny. Frankly, it's really rare. And I think that that's very sad that that's very rare. Yeah. Um, But she did it. And it's what a lot of the guys were talking about was her in this movie. Yeah. And it was her star making. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to be nominated for an Oscar for a comedic performance. Yeah. I just... I will always watch this movie over and over and over and over again. I'll never get sick of it. I really think that if Melissa McCarthy won this, I mean, I'm glad that Octavia Spencer won. We have her little (laughs) shrine here uh, to give tribute, but you know, um, I'm glad that she has her Oscar, but I personally would have given it to Melissa McCarthy. She's great. Or Janet McTeer. Janet McTeer was like the hard second, but definitely Melissa McCarthy was, was the win for me. uh, Yeah. She was hilarious in that. Um, okay, Good. well, that's that's the Good. end thank of, you, Kyle. That's the end of it. So thank you so much for doing this. Where can mm-hmm. people find you on social media? Uh, Rob Brown 25 that's Brown with an E at the end. So R-O-B-B-R-O-W-N-E, then the number 25. And um, it's a lot of fitness stuff. I sometimes throw in some funny things here and there. But, um, yeah, thanks for having me on uh, Best Actress Podcast, Kyle. And I'm glad uh, you weren't rolling your eyes when I recommended a supporting and not a lead. And it was a good <laughs> year and a good bunch of movies to watch, not a bunch of downers like uh, some of the other ones that we have to like do together. Like usual, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. We'll see you next time.